Hello, members of the Resilient Catholics community. This is Dr. Peter. We are now into week 12. And this week, it's all about working with protectors who don't trust you. This is our weekly interconnections talk. It is good to be with you. We are drawing heavily from pages 57 to 59 of Bonnie Weiss's self-therapy workbook. That's our text in the RCC. It's all about working with protectors who don't trust you, who don't trust the self. Now, first thing when we're talking about this, protectors who don't trust would like to be able to trust, right? It's not that you're just being difficult. If a protector isn't trusting you, there's a reason for that. There are always reasons for protectors not trusting. There could be a reason from the history of that protector, bad experiences with other people, having to bear the burdens of betrayal. There's also reasons that stem from how those protectors who don't trust, how those protectors made sense of their history. It made sense of their experiences, construed what happened to them. Every protector has a narrative, a story, a way that that protector understands the world. And that narrative, that story flows from, but also guides their assumptions and their beliefs and also their expectations for the future. So all of that can contribute to a protector not trusting, taking a position of distrust, right? And often, like we said, there can be good reason for protectors to be very careful, to be very cautious, and we need to respect that. Protectors really don't want to be harmed again in the same way. They really want to prevent disappointment. And you know what? We may have other parts, concerned parts, that get impatient with our protector's concerns. These impatient, concerned parts, they may feel that our distrusting protectors should just give up their concerns. They should just trust. Yeah, well, it doesn't work that way. Impatient parts may criticize you as self. Those parts may criticize the whole process of working with parts, this whole IFS business, all of that. But we need to be patient. We need to be accepting of our parts. The reality is that your parts need to feel some degree of safety, some degree of protection in order to connect with you. We discuss these ideas at great length in the Interior Integration for Catholics podcast number 89, which was called Your Trauma, Your Body, Protection versus Connection. That came out on February 7th of 2022. Connection versus protection. Your parts need to have a felt sense of safety. Can't just be actual safety. It's got to be felt or they're going to be focused on protecting you rather than connecting with you. The good news is that there is an innate pull, a teleological pull within us toward integration, toward unity. This pull towards integration, toward unity, toward health is God-given, right? And parts want that unity. We can trust that parts have good intentions. You know, God is a unity and a multiplicity. He's one God, right? That's the unity, one God, unity, in three persons. There's the multiplicity. 
And God is perfectly ordered inside. We are made in his image and likeness. We have a unity and a multiplicity, but because of original sin, the sins of others, our own personal sins, the effects of those sins, we're not perfectly ordered inside, but we can work toward that internal order as well. Parts would like to be able to trust the self, and there are ways to make that easier. All right, so what are the signs that a protector doesn't trust you? What, how, do, how can we know that? Well, sometimes the protector will just tell you. The protector may say, I don't trust you. And that's actually really common for them to just up and say it. The protector might also be unresponsive to you. Maybe it won't acknowledge you. Maybe it won't engage with you. And this might bring up a feeling in concerned parts that are blended that the protector is being uncooperative or, quote, resistant, end quote, or that the protector is just tuning you out. The target part might also be prevented from responding by a concerned part who is doubting the process, doubting your ability as self to lead and guide your system. This concerned part might step in, might intervene, And we discussed concerned parts at great length in week seven of our course here in year one of the RCC. You can check that out if you'd like to review more about concerned parts. Well, how do we engage with protectors who don't trust us? How can you do that? How can you connect with a protector who doesn't trust you, who looks at you with skepticism? So the first thing I'm going to recommend is that you really check to see how blended you are, you know, how blended you are with other parts, particularly parts that are concerned about your target protector. Now, I want it to be very clear that you don't have to be totally unblended. You don't actually have to be anything like totally unblended. The what's necessary is that you have some recollection some presence of self, that the, that the self is shining through at least a little bit. Because parts who distrust, they don't want to be led by other parts. They don't want that. So if you're very blended, right, if some concerned part of you is leading your system, is driving your bus, and we talked about that, like I said, in week seven, uh, we want to make sure that those parts can give you some space that those parts can unblend. Parts are very sensitive to other parts blending with you and driving your bus. All right, so just a quick review of how do we assess whether we're blended? How do we assess if we're blended with a concerned part, right? Well, let's go back to those eight C's. And those eight C's, compassion, curiosity, connectedness, calm, clarity, courage, confidence, and creativity. So if we're blended, we might have a deficit in compassion. We might be coming across as cold or cool or uncaring or unfriendly, maybe kind of hard or unsympathetic, right? That, that would indicate that we've got a blend going on. Or curiosity, if we have something that's compromising our curiosity in a blend, we might seem disinterested, we might seem indifferent, we might see you know, other parts is just needing to change rather than being um, curious about why they are doing what they're doing without appreciating that there are real reasons for that. That would be a deficit in curiosity. 
all right, if we're experiencing internal fragmentation, if we're, if we're disjointed or distant or aloof or not interested in connecting, all right, then we're going to be, you know, struggling with connectedness, right? And if there's a deficit in calm, we're going to be agitated, frustrated, anxious, stressed, angry, irritated, something that impedes the calm. Clarity, if we're noticing that we're muddled inside, that we're confused, that it seems dark or foggy or vague, could be an issue with clarity, right? Indicating a blend with a concerned part. If we're fearful, shy, faint-hearted, irresolute, right? Could be that indicates an issue with courage. And with confidence, right? If we find that we're timid or pessimistic or doubtful or insecure, concerned part is blended that is compromising our our confidence. And then if we feel uninspired or inept or that things are just futile, right? We're lacking in creativity, right? So that's one way to assess blending is that where are we with those eight C's? Another way to assess that we're blended is if there is an agenda. Now, we do have an overarching goal. We do have an overarching goal to love and care for our parts. There's definitely an overarching goal, but we're not to be attached to the specific means. In other words, we're to be open and receptive to a variety of ways to go about loving and caring for our parts, right? So if we find ourselves in a position where we're saying, I have got to make this part talk to me, or I need to figure out what's wrong with this part, or this part needs to stop what it's doing, right? And maybe the part does need to stop what it's doing. Maybe it's cutting itself or there's some sort of suicidal uh, acting out or maybe there's a refusal to eat or something like that or, you know, some other kind of thing that could be even life-threatening, right? That could be harmful to our physical life or our spiritual life, right? It could be some kind of sinning going on here. But we want to focus on the part, not just on the troublesome behavior that the part is driving, right? So if we notice that we have got to stop drinking or that we're eating too much or we've got to stop looking at pornography on the internet or whatever it is, right? If that that's, that's an agenda, right? Let's get curious about why parts are doing what they're doing, right? So to kind of sum up, it's really important to have some recollection, some self-present. Again, doesn't have to be anything like perfect. Most of us are at least partially blended almost all the time, but we do need that minimum of space. We do need to be able to work in a cooperative, collaborative way so that we don't try to steamroll any part. If we are significantly blended, we assume there's a reason. There's something in our history that has raised red flags for your target part who is not trusting you. Something in that part's experience is causing concern. Something in that part's experience is fueling a belief that you as the self can't handle it, can't take care of it, or that it would be unwise for the target part to trust you or maybe even to interact with you as the self. If we can't unblend from concerned parts, then we need to turn our attention to those parts. If they won't give any space, if they won't give us some some space to work with our target part, then we need to turn our attention to them. Then those concerned parts become the target part. All right, so let's remember patience. Working with protectors who have 
issues around trust can take time. It's unrealistic to expect that a distrusting protector part is just going to open up you know, when you first approach it after decades of experiencing betrayal, for example, or, or abandonment. I think of the imagery, the scene from The Horse Whisperer when Robert Redford is first encountering that traumatized horse. Right? There's got to be a lot of patience. There can be concerned parts who are impatient and who try to rush the process. That is going to slow things down. Approval-seeking parts might be wanting to try to please somebody, maybe a therapist or maybe somebody else, and really trying to rush the process. That's going to slow it down. So we need patience. And we need to pay attention to trailheads because sometimes parts communicate with us in ways that are more subtle. and We need to be able to pick up on those cues. Might not just be in plain, ordinary English. right? We might notice body sensations changing. We don't want to rely just on those verbal cues because some parts are pre-verbal. Some parts don't express themselves readily through English vocabulary. Right? They may be communicating through images or through sounds or through music or through body sensations or through memories. There's a whole variety of ways in which parts can communicate. In working with distrusting parts, I'm going to invite you to consider how you would interact with a distrusting child, from an infant to a teenager, and use those same techniques that you might use with a child who has trust issues. Right? Much of what I learned about connecting with my parts and with my clients' parts, I learned in the teddy bear room of the daycare that I worked at when I was 22, 23, 24 years old. A lot of it was working with three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, some two-year-olds, but a lot of it was working with that three-year-old group in the teddy bear room. Think about what you would do to earn the trust of a very young child, right? Would you rush that child? Would you make the same kind of demands that your concerned parts might make of a distrusting part within you? No, no, you wouldn't. Now, there are some questions that can be really helpful to ask a distrusting part. One of them is just to ask, are you aware of me? Do you sense me? Because sometimes distrusting parts aren't even aware of the self. That can be somewhat surprising. But a lot of times our systems are pretty disconnected inside. Parts may not notice other parts. Parts may not notice the self. So to directly address the part and ask, are you aware of me? Can you sense that I'm here wanting to connect with you? What happened in the past that made it hard to trust? Because remember, there might be a history of betrayal. Often there is. When that part trusted someone in the past, that part was hurt, very much wants to protect you from that ever happening again. What do you fear might happen if you did trust me? Right now on page 59 of our workbook, there's a place to list the fears that a distrusting part might have, as well as your response to those fears and then the distrusting part's response to your response, right? How that interaction is going. What is it that you don't trust about me? 
That's another question. Usually there's something specific that partner might not tell you. Maybe it's that you're not strong enough or not capable enough to manage your system. Maybe the part expects you to abandon it when the going gets tough. Or maybe it expects that you're going to attack it or something like that. So you can ask, what do you need from me to make it easier to trust? You can also sometimes make interpretations or guesses. You don't want to prod, but if you suspect that there might be something, you can ask, but in a spirit of real genuine interest in the part, of curiosity, not in some sort of assumption that you really know or understand. You want to hold it lightly. The other thing that can be really valuable is to apologize to a part. That can be really important and really healing. It's important to know what the you know, how the part has, has experienced you so that the apology doesn't seem disconnected from the experience of the part. We want to be aware of what we're apologizing for, but an apology can be really, really calming and do go a long way to healing and repairing the relationship between you and the part. And then there can be reassurances, right? They have to be honest. There's no fake it till you make it here, right? The credibility is important. But the part needs to know that who you are today doesn't, isn't the same as who you were when that part had to take on its extreme role. Right? In those days, you didn't have as much access to the self. And again, if this is really hard, you might seek some professional help therapy, that kind of thing, perhaps, um, perhaps a consultation with one of our coaches within the RCC, uh, that kind of thing. So... Quick example, Beatrice. Beatrice is in her mid to late 50s. She has a part that is very afraid of alienating her adult children. Her adult children have left the Catholic faith and Beatrice's standard bearer lectured them about that, has come down on them about that. So her adult children withdrew. They didn't want to talk to her. And Beatrice's mama part, this is a part that wants her children back in her life and definitely wants her grandchildren back in her life. You know, that's she and so now Beatrice's mama part is constantly trying to please her children. She's doing everything she can to avoid conflict with her children. She doesn't want to set limits, she doesn't want to set boundaries. But some of her children's parts now are taking advantage of Beatrice, asking her to do babysitting at unexpected times, helping themselves to her canned goods, the stuff that she worked so hard to prepare, helping themselves to meat from the freezer, from the cow she had butchered, taking her for granted. So Beatrice's guardian part is getting angry, and there's a potential for passive-aggressive acting out. Beatrice's husband is also not happy. So the question may be, can that mama part of Beatrice let herself lead? Can that mama part of Beatrice let herself guide her system in relating with her children? Or does that mama part really believe that it needs to drive the bus to keep silence, to not set limits, to allow herself to be exploited and taken advantage of by her children and so forth? Beatrice's mama part really needs to be seen, heard, known, and understood. It really needs to know that Beatrice is actually more effective as the self at maintaining a good relationship with her children and that that could involve limits and boundaries. The fears of the mama part need to be addressed and it would really help if Beatrice's self knew that the mama part is protecting an exile that believes she will be a failure as a mother and that she would die if her children shun her again. All right, so that's a little example of 
you know, some of the complexity around this. And so I'm going to invite you into that brief discussion about our interconnections talk. Um, and we'll pick it up with the experiential exercise.